Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Copied Line Filmcast. I'm your host, Dave Bonnert, and welcome to episode one. This uh, is a project I've been planning of, thinking of, working on for a long time now. So it's pretty exciting to have uh, episode one here for everybody. And I wanted a nice broad topic for the first episode. And given the time of year it is, my first thought was um, Halloween, scary movies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a big genre fan. But um, we're going to go with Star Wars instead for this episode because there's been a lot of Star Wars talk. There's a lot of Star Wars news. The um, trailer for the new Force Awakens came out a few days ago. So that'll be a good jumping off point because everybody knows Star Wars. If you love it, if you hate it, if you just kind of like it, um, arguably the biggest film franchise in history. So good first topic to get us started. So this... um. This has really been an idea that I've been playing with, like I said, for a long time, and I had different ideas about, well, what should my podcast be about, um, politics, current events, sports, uh, movies, music, all stuff that I'm interested in, and finally decided on film because current events and politics everybody has an opinion I am no different than anybody else I am no more right or wrong than anybody else and with movies this is at least something that I know that I know uh, I've studied cinema for as long as I can remember uh, movies have been an important part of my life for as long as I can remember um, I went to school for this stuff uh, I have a degree we're going to school for this stuff. So even though there is a subjectiveness definitely to a lot of this, um, it's still it's something that I know and something that I feel comfortable talking about. And then maybe, just maybe, you out there will appreciate what I have to say, or maybe not. And if not, then hey, I'd like to hear from those people too. So with Star Wars, we've got uh, a lot of interesting stuff. We had three films that George Lucas was the centerpiece of back in the 70s and early 80s. That would be Star Wars, uh, which would later be re-merchandised, rebranded as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, I almost never call it A New Hope. I just always call it Star Wars. Um, that's just me. Uh, and, of course, the two sequels to the original were The Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. All three really good films. Um, you can argue back and forth about what's the better film. Uh, and they really work best as a as a trilogy. It's it's a story arc. And, you know, they work much better as a whole. Um, being a child born in 1980, Star Wars was a big part of my childhood. Uh, I was not obviously around for the first one to be released um, so I don't have that kind of um, connection to it but I did uh, see the first one I saw it on cable uh, when I was I don't know how old I was probably 10 12 something like that probably around 10 and um, my parents made a big deal of it I, I remember that distinctly 
um, that I was getting to watch Star Wars for the first time. It was a very big deal. Um, and I loved it. Like most kids who watched that movie, uh, it was, you know, it was amazing. And this was, you know, back in the day of um, video stores on every corner. And even in my small little nugget of a small town, we had probably four video stores. And back then, I don't know if this was like this everywhere, but definitely in my little town, um, there was readily available access to Return of the Jedi, but not so much for Empire Strikes Back. So I actually saw the films out of order. Uh, I saw Jedi second, then I went back and I saw Empire. Um, Not the correct way to do it, but at that point, there was so much Star Wars in the... uh, cultural lexicon and everything else that, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, there were no spoiler alerts anymore. It was all pretty much out there. I knew Vader was Luke's father and everything else. So, um, not a huge effect really. So those were the originals. Those are the ones that everybody holds near and dear to their hearts. And like him or not, you've got George Lucas to thank for that. He was a huge part of those films. Um, He was instrumental in really changing a lot of Hollywood and the way that films are made, the way films are marketed. Um, He took a lot of risks. And him and Spielberg get a lot of credit for, with uh, Spielberg with Jaws and then Lucas with Star Wars. Both came out two years apart from each other and it changed everything. Those movies made so much money. It changed the way studios make movies. It changed the way that you market them. It changed the way you look and negotiate with directors and actors. It changed merchandising. Uh, it changed theaters. Theaters got bigger. You wanted to have more screens to sh- make more money because people wanted to see more of these big budget, uh, big budget films that were coming out, particularly in the summer months, which both of those uh, did, basically. So George Lucas, while it gets shit on a lot now for what he did with the prequels which we'll get to in a second he probably doesn't get enough credit anymore for what he did with the original films um, including bankrolling Empire Strikes Back by himself there's kind of a a, a misconception that he used the um, merchandise money from the first movie to bankroll the film he did not he actually took out bank loans Um, He wanted complete control over that. And at the time, that was a huge risk because back then, this was, uh, you know, the very late 70s, probably 79, they were shooting. Um, Sequels were not big money. You you didn't make sequels. Outside of Godfather Part II, uh, there were no successful sequels. So that was, um, you know, a huge risk. And it paid off, obviously. So, you know, kudos to him. Um, so then, you know, you get, I don't know how many years later, um, and there was the talk of the prequels, which came out in, I think the first one was out in 99, I want to say. I'm not exactly sure. Um, the prequels were, um, it was a big deal. I remember, um, on my dial-up connection, downloading the trailer when that came out. Uh, you know, it was like an hour to wait for a two-minute trailer back then, and it was uh, it was a big deal. And you know, I don't remember my initial thoughts on 
Phantom Menace. It was such a huge hype fest. It was so stupid. All all the crazy hype. I, I remember going to the theater and there were people dressed up, you know, fighting with fake lightsabers in the front of the theater. Um, it was a big, 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 big deal. Uh, and it really fell kind of short. Um, George Lucas, for as great as he was with, you know, behind the scenes stuff and um, technical aspects, uh, has admitted numerous times he, he's not good with actors, he's not good with um, with screenwriting, really. Um, and he took it upon himself to direct and write all three of the prequels, which was a huge miss. And, you know, I think it, the, the product, the, the universe became so much and the pressure became so much to deliver that um, it was, yeah, that was just it. It was too much, too much pressure. And I think he, he was overthinking things, um, got too much into the technical stuff. Everything was shot on. Uh, on sound sets, green screen, just galore, um, really pushing the limits of what the technology could do, which, you know, is great, but uh, there's something to be said for real sets, some realness in there somewhere. And so you have those three films, which among people my age are pretty much universally hated. Um, I really don't know what the younger crowd thinks about that, people that are, you know, 10 to 15, 20 years younger than me, or what the kids think about that. Those were basically made for young people. Um, you know, Lucas really didn't make those for the fan base. He wanted to get more of a fan base. So that's why you've got Jar Jar Binks and all kinds of crazy stuff um, trying to really uh, capture what he did the first time, trying to do it again rather than just tell a story. So you have Phantom Menace, which sets up everything with uh, the very young Anakin Skywalker. Um, you have Attack of the Clones, which was the most boring movie I have ever seen in my life. I honestly do not think I've seen it since the first time I saw it in the theater. Um, it was just so bad. And then Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, which was the best of the four, but it, it's like saying that's the best of three pieces of shit. Really, I mean, it, it was probably the best of those three, but um, still I missed the mark uh, on just about every level. But it was um, it was better, just no. And so that's, you know, the, the issue with the Star Wars universe is that you have these iconic first three, the original trilogy, and then you have these really bad prequels. And at that point, it, that was it. He pretty much killed the franchise as far as making any more films and they've done a lot of stuff since then to make up with it there's um, been a number of TV shows the Clone Wars kind of fixed a lot of the stuff that was supposed to be an attack of the clones um, I remember early on when um, Phantom Menace was in production and the talk was that uh, the second film would be all about the Clone Wars would be almost like a war film and that the third film, which was ended up being uh, Revenge of the Sith, would be the darkest of the darkest and would be, you know, much more depressing than uh, Empire Strikes Back ever was. And, um, and they really didn't deliver. There was almost nothing about the Clone Wars <laughs> in Attack of the Clones. And while there was a lot of darkness in Revenge of the Sith, it wasn't the darkest thing I've ever seen before. 
Um, so they tried to alleviate some of that with uh, the Clone Wars TV show that was on Cartoon Network, I do believe. Uh, I'd never really watched it, but I heard after a kind of slow start, it, it really picked up and uh, did pretty well. And there's another show out now called Star Wars Rebels, which, again, I haven't seen, um, but a lot of people like it. A lot of the fanboys really get into that. And, I mean, that's kind of where I come in, is that I am not a fanboy. This is not going to be a fanboy analysis of any of this stuff. Um, if you want that, there are numerous Star Wars podcasts out there that do an amazing job with that. If you want to get into extreme details and um, any of the extended universe stuff, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, so there's other sources out there. Um, one that I can recommend is the uh, Rebel Girls podcast that is part of MakingStarWars.net. Uh, I've, I've checked out a few episodes of that, and it's, it's a really well-done show. Uh, the two uh, young ladies on there do a fantastic job, and it's it's an interesting fangirl point of view. So uh, check that out if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for. I come to it as I'm a fan of the series. I'm not a fanboy. I don't obsess about it, and um, you know that's I think a better a better way to go. So really, all everything changed a couple years back when Disney bought out Lucasfilm from George Lucas for an obscene amount of money, a couple billion dollars, something like that. And in doing that, they bought the rights to Star Wars, they bought the rights to Indiana Jones, all of the stuff that George Lucas had been holding on to for all this time. And so Disney is reviving the Star Wars universe. They took it away from Lucas which was probably the best thing to do. Lucas had to let go. He, you know, again, with the prequels, he was trying too hard. He was trying too much, and it, it just blew up in his face. So it's good to get new eyes. And the the plan that they have is really, really good. They got J.J. Abrams to uh, direct this first one. Um, he will not direct the next two, and I don't even think he's, he might be an executive producer. I'm not 100% on that, but um, he's not, you know, crazy involved in all of it. But they got him because he's a fanboy. He had said about how he would love to do a Star Wars sequel. And uh, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with J.J. Abrams. Um, I really liked what he did with his two Star Trek films. I'm not a Trekkie either, but uh, I've seen a number of the Star Trek films. And his two, I really liked the freshness. I really liked the respect for the series, for the the, uh, the franchise itself in doing the films. And I thought it really um, brought life back into a series that was just dead for years as far as I was concerned. Um my issues with J.J. come with his TV stuff with Lost, um, which was a really interesting show and could have been really great but wrote itself into way too many corners. And um, I was not a huge fan of Lost. So, And there's a few other things that he's done that I just didn't really care about. I mean, I thought they were okay, but, uh, but he's definitely got a, a great skill set. Um, and after the Star Trek films, I think he was a good pick 
to revive uh, the Star Trek franchise. And basically what they're doing now is they have determined they're doing the three sequels, episodes 7, 8, and 9, and then they're doing a whole bunch of standalone films. So basically what you're going to have is every year from now until who knows when you're going to have a new Star Wars movie of some kind. So this year you've got uh, The Force Awakens coming out at Christmas. Next year you've got um, the first anthology film they're calling it. It's called Rogue One, which is about the uh, rebel spies that steal the plans for the Death Star that they use to blow up the Death Star in the first Star Wars film. So that should be pretty cool. Year after that, you're getting episode eight. Um, I believe the year after that, they're shooting for a Han Solo, a young Han Solo anthology film um, that I am pretty sure Lawrence Cassidy is writing as we speak. Um, the year after that, I would assume, is going to be episode nine. Um, and then I don't know. I've heard talk of a Bubba Fett standalone film, um, a lot of other possibilities. Um, by that point, with all these other new characters, who knows what's going to happen with um, with these anthology films they're working on? And it should be interesting. You know, they Disney is um, the force behind the the Marvel films right now, and every year there's at least two, two or three Marvel films on. It seems like. Uh, for as long as we can remember now. And that's what they want to do with Star Wars. They want to just bombard you. Um, and so it's uh, it's really reviving the whole franchise and giving it a new spin and a new life. And it's really, it's pretty cool if you're, if you're into this stuff. If you're, you know, kind of sick of seeing all the comic book films, it's going to be the same kind of thing. There's going to be a lot of Star Wars from here on out. But it's, uh, you know, it's huge money, and there's uh, there's a huge legacy to it. And it all starts in about two months with Force Awakens. So I'm not going to get too much into, um, you know, spoilers or details. I will say I don't know a whole lot about Force Awakens yet, Um I have seen a few things come through. Uh, I've been impressed, actually, that there haven't been a lot of leaks. There haven't been a lot of um, spoiler stuff. Um, I remember seeing maybe sometime last year, probably, um, a few screenshots of uh, the guy who we now know is called Kylo Ren. Um, That was one of the earliest leaks. But there has been no screenplay leaks there's been not a whole lot coming out yet and they're keeping everything very close to the vest which is really smart Um, but now is the time where it starts getting into more hands and the possibility for stuff coming out is a little bit stronger Um, so there might be some more leaks here and there if you're into that sort of thing I I'm really not I would I would rather see the film and just have it you know unfold itself before me than have to sit there and you know I don't want to spoil it before I see it, basically. But I have heard a little bit here and there about what it could be about. Um, And basically, you have got three new characters. Uh, The film takes place 30 years after Return of the Jedi. 
and you've got three main characters uh, who are predominantly featured in the new trailer. Uh, the first of which is uh, Ray, who is played by Daisy Riddler, Daisy Ridling, something like that. I'm not good with these people's names. Um, they're, as of right now, unknowns. So um, much like the first film where nobody knew Mark Hamill, nobody knew Carrie Fisher, nobody knew Harrison Ford, everybody's going to know these people's names very soon. But Ray is Daisy Ridling, Daisy Ridley. I don't know how exactly you pronounce it. Um, pretty much an unknown actress out of the UK. She's done a few things here and there, but nothing major. Um, the other main character is called Finn by John Boyega, I think is how you say his name. Um, he was in an amazing film called Attack the Block which came out probably three years ago now. Um, I don't know if it's on Netflix, uh, but it's pretty readily available out there. It was on Netflix at some point. I don't know if it's still up there or not. Um, really great, funny uh, kind of sci-fi comedy action thing um, about aliens attacking a um, sort of, um, uh, how to describe it, a... Um, you know, a, an apartment complex in the poor streets of London, and uh, these uh, group of street kids kind of defend their block, and it's it's really really good. So check that out to see some of John's good work. Um, the other main character is uh, name is Poe, and he is played by Oscar Isaac, who I really don't know at all. Uh, he's the one I know l the least about. Uh, I know he's a pilot. He's really has just been seen a little bit here and there. He had a few shots in the um, in the big trailer that came out the other day. But the main character is Ray, and there has been all kinds of discussion that she may or may not be the daughter of Han Solo and Princess Leia. Um, I, I don't know for a fact if she is. Uh, if I was going to cast someone. To be their daughter, I would cast someone that looks like her because she looks like she could be. Um, but that doesn't always mean anything. And there's some lines that were spoken uh, in the trailer that would be questionable if Han Solo was talking to his own daughter. But the way you can edit a trailer these days, you know, who knows uh, where those lines actually come from within the the film itself. So you've got those three main stars who are going to be the central characters of this new series and of course you have the three big stars from the previous films Han Solo's back, Princess Leia's back, Luke Skywalker's back and that's um, that's pretty cool that they got all those people now before there were a ton of rumors uh, that Harrison Ford would only only appear in the film if Han Solo got to die. Uh, that rumor was going around big time. Um, I I don't know if it <laughs> if it would happen or not. Uh, it would be a, a pretty big shocker, I think, um, because especially after the um, the really emotional outpouring from seeing Han Solo in the the two teasers in the trailer that came out. Um, so that would be an interesting way to go with the plot, but you never know. Um, 
And then you got the uh, the bad guys. So the Empire is no longer the Empire. It's now called the First Order. Uh, they look and sound a lot like Nazis, which is probably not by uh, mistake. I'm sure it's by design. Uh, you've got, just like in the first set of films where you had Darth Vader was the main bad guy, but really his boss was the Emperor, and then you had all these other kind of bad guys around them. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. There's a, there's a bad guy hierarchy. Um, the main bad guy is Kylo Ren. He's the guy that in the trailers looks like he's wearing a new kind of Darth Vader mask or something. Um, he's played by Adam Driver. Uh, Ren is apparently a title the way that Darth was in the original films. So what that means, I'm not sure. Apparently there's something in some kind of the alternative, uh, the extended universe stuff. Again, I, I don't know anything about any of that. So that's out there. Um, there is another bad guy named General Hux who appears to be kind of the Grand Moff Tarkin of this series. Um, Tarkin was played by the uh, amazing Peter Cushing in the first film uh, and didn't really have a huge part. He was only in a handful of scenes, um, but he really has a following for some reason, probably because it's Peter Cushing, and Peter Cushing is pretty cool. Um, so he... Uh, apparently has a pretty big role in this film and then you've got uh, Gwendolyn Christie is playing Captain Phasma which uh, Christie is from Game of Thrones she plays the very tall female knight for those of you that watch that show and Captain Phasma is the uh, head of the stormtroopers I guess um, she's the one walking around with the cape and the big gun and all that kind of cool stuff. So that's an interesting character. And there's a lot of talk about her. So I'm assuming that it's a pretty big part. It's more than just, you know, you know, a few shots. And you know, they gave her a name. And she's in a lot of the marketing stuff. So uh, probably a big role. And then the one that we really know absolutely nothing about is Andy Serkis. Who is playing Supreme Leader Snook. Uh there was a publicity shot that came out a couple months back um, with him in his motion capture gear. It's apparently a motion capture character, which is pretty much his bread and butter. And he looked menacing as all get out. So that's interesting. If he is kind of the uh, um, the emperor type character... That's, you know, what I would assume since, you know, his name is Supreme Leader. I mean, that's that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good hint. So, and he's actually the voice in the first teaser, I think it was, uh, where the voice says, uh, there has been an awakening, have you felt it? That is Mr. Circus doing his thing. So those are the bad guys. Those are the good guys. You got a bunch of uh, the old timers back, and it's uh, you know it's going to be very interesting to see. Now everybody is going nuts about the absence of Mark Hamill. Luke Skywalker is not on the poster. Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker have not been in the 
trailers or the teasers. At least not exclusively. There was one shot of Luke that was in one of the teasers. They used it again in the trailer. Um, and he used a um, voiceover of Skywalker's in the second teaser that was the dialogue from Return of the Jedi when he's talking to Leia about uh, the Force is strong in my family, I have it, my sister has it, my father has it, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that dialogue was actually the dialogue, in the in the teaser, that was the dialogue from Jedi, and they actually re-recorded Hamill's voice under it to get like a reverb effect. So if you really listen to it, there's the line and then like a, a kind of shadowy echo underneath it. That's the redubbed 30 years later. Um, so outside of that, nobody has seen anything from Luke Skywalker. And all kinds of rumors abound, you know, about what's going on with Luke and why isn't he here and da-da-da-da. Maybe he's on the dark side. Maybe he's dead. Maybe it's this and that. Um, from what I've known, which is not a lot and just from rumors, but the rumors that I've heard fit in with what I've seen so far. And I think it's really interesting because I thought the trailer in particular was really good that it it didn't give away too much of anything. Um, I actually had a friend that saw it and said that he thought it was good, but he wanted more of a plot analysis or plot point something that he could kind of grab onto. And really, I think it's there. You just kind of have to peel it away. Um, so basically, the if you're taken from the trailer, obviously you get that Ray's the main character, and she's kind of like the the Luke Skywalker of of this film. You know, a voice asks you know who she is, and she says, I, "I'm no one." And that's kind of Luke Skywalker at the beginning of the first film was no one, and then he turned into you know uh, the last of the Jedi, maybe. And the, the central part of the trailer is the dialogue that uh, Harrison Ford gives. And that's, um, there's a line from uh, Ray's character that she says there are stories about what happened. Um, and that Han Solo says, you know, the stories were true. That the dark side, the Jedi, they're real. And it's significant for two reasons. Number one, it's significant because... Han Solo in the first film, particularly in the first one, but in the whole original trilogy, is very anti-Force, doesn't believe it. Um, I don't remember the lines exactly, but something about, you know, I've been around and if there's something that controls everything, I've never seen it, you know, something to that effect. And then now he is, obviously he believes, he's telling these young kids, this stuff is real, it's true. The other thing is that and here's where the significance with Luke Skywalker's absence comes in, is that if Luke Skywalker was present, um, these kids would know that this stuff was real. And the few plot points that I have kind of heard is that Luke Skywalker is either in seclusion or that Luke Skywalker has been captured, and that a, a portion of the film, or at least one of the... Um, plot lines on, you know, I'm sure there's several, but one of the lines is that they have to retrieve Luke from wherever he is. If it's captivity, if it's, you know, from seclusion, who knows. 
But that's why he's not present in any of this stuff, because he is in seclusion. They don't know about the Jedi because he's in seclusion. He's not around. Um, obviously, things at the end of Jedi, you know, the Empire didn't go away. Things just kind of changed, and, you know, obviously we'll find out some crazy stuff happened, I'm sure. So that's why Luke Skywalker is not present anywhere in this um, marketing campaign, and I think it's genius because everybody wants to see Luke Skywalker. Where's Luke Skywalker? Where's Luke? Where's Luke? You want to see him, you want to see him, you want to see him. When you finally see him in that film, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like, holy shit, there's Luke Skywalker. So it's it's perfect. And don't think that this is not being done by design. These guys know every fucking detail of this marketing campaign is being planned out. They know that there are people that are going frame by frame in everything they release to see what is in there. I've already started seeing stuff from frame analysis from the... Uh, the trailer, which I'm not going to get into because I, I don't really care about any of that. You know, trying to decipher where somebody is and what something might be and if so-and-so is involved because if there's a, something in a frame. I don't care. Just I'll, I'll wait two months. It's only two more months. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, but everything is being done with a purpose. They are only showing you as much as they want to show you. And really, it's it is genius because... You don't need much of a marketing campaign. I'm sure they're spending a a couple hundred million dollars. And really, even what they've done so far has been minimalist. And that's the way you have to be because the hype on this is already there. The fanboys are going to go. The general public, just the so-so people, they're going to go. Everybody's going to go see this because it's going to be a huge deal. You're going to have J.J. Abrams fans that are going to go that you know maybe wouldn't like Star Wars because he's got a following of his own um so there's really not a need to bombard which is what I think kind of happened with the prequels I remember there was a lot of uh marketing tie-ins with Pepsi and McDonald's and all this other stuff and you might start seeing that um you know I I saw a commercial the other day for Star Wars macaroni and cheese so, you know, that's that's something. But um, there's not, you know, you're not being smashed over the head with this stuff. And it's because they don't have to. You're going to go see this. They know everybody's going to go see this. They don't have to overhype it. They don't have to give away too much. All they have to do is make it seem like a Star Wars film, which is what the prequels didn't do. Those films did not feel like they were a part of that universe. These films do, and that was part of J.J. Abrams' whole plan. We're going to shoot on film. We're going to use practical effects as much as we can. They shot in the original locations. They shot a lot of it in London. They shot a lot of it in the Tunisian desert, I think, where they shot the first one. So a lot of it is going back to the roots, and that is what was really missing from the prequels, which you can't get when you're shooting everything on a green screen soundstage. So that's where we're at with Star Wars. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a really big deal. They already had tickets go on sale, uh, which I personally think is ridiculous to have, you know, two months early tickets. You know, it, it's gonna be at every 
theater. I can't imagine how many screens it's going to have. Um, it opens on a Thursday night. I think the show started at 7 o'clock, I saw. And there will probably be theaters that they will have it on every screen. There will probably be you know, 10 screens of Star Wars being shown. So it's really going to be out there, and it's really going to be big. And it's it's um, it's really going to be a throwback. And it's nice to see these characters back. It's nice to see that universe back. And it's interesting to see where it's all going to go. How are they going to tie it all together? And it's um, it really is a much different feeling than it was when the prequels came out because that was a lot of hype and then so much disappointment and I you know really kind of stepped back and I didn't want to get excited about this but now I, I kind of am you know and it's kind of hard to not be when there's so much stuff but it just it looks right and it feels right and to see you know Han Solo back and it's going to be exciting when we see Luke Skywalker back uh, it's going to be very, very, very cool. And then we've got all these other ones coming out. And it will be uh, interesting to see how Disney handles this, exactly how these anthology films are going to work. I've seen a little bit of um, the production shots from Rogue One. It seems very, uh, very dark and gritty, which I kind of like. And that's a story that could be very interesting like there's talk that there's no jedis at all that it's all just you know these rebel troops um so that'll be interesting can you have a star wars film without any jedis without any you know dark side without any of that stuff um so you know this is all massive gambles um but i'm pretty sure it's going to pay off I, you know i'm going to say it right now if this film uh force awakens does not overtake Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time, I will be shocked. I will be shocked. Avatar, in my opinion, one of the most overrated films of all time, um, made a fortune with you know the 3D, and that was the first time that all that really came out. You know, Cameron did a great job of marketing with you know the technology he was using and. Uh, really, the, the story in Avatar was terrible. Um, this, I will be absolutely shocked if it doesn't take it all. And especially since it is being released in 3D, which was news to me. I did not think that that would happen. Um, but it is going to be in a 2D format and in a um, the real 3D format as well. Uh, there's going to be IMAX 3D too. So those ticket prices, that's probably like 20 bucks a pop at least, depending on where you're at. So it's going to make a fortune. And, uh, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot else to see this Christmas other than uh, the, the Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight, which comes out on Christmas Day. So you'll have a week to see Star Wars before uh, Mr. Tarantino comes into town. And then that's it. There's <laughs> there's not much of anything else coming out this Christmas. Um you know, somebody asked me about um, Spielberg's new film, um, Bridge of Spies, I think it's called, um, and about, you know, what I had thought of it. And I hadn't seen it yet, but I thought, you know, it's it, it was kind of weird to have a, a Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg film that seemed to be getting not a lot of hype, not a lot of talk, 
And I think part of that was because, well, it's the end of October, and if it was, you know, typically those big, good, award-worthy films come out later in the year, um, but nobody wants to go anywhere close to Star Wars because they know that it's there's not a point. It's just going to be bombarded with, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. So that's why um, a lot of these films are just being pushed around. And it's, you know, it's interesting, too, because this was supposed to be out um, in the spring with, you know, most of, I think, all of the Star Wars films were released in the spring. Um, but they were writing and rewriting this. They brought in Loris Katzen to do um, a rewrite on this. Um, J.J. did some rewrites on it himself and pushed it back to Christmas um, to make sure that everything was just right. And I actually think after this, they're going back to the the springtime uh, release dates. Uh, this will be kind of a a one for as far as the uh, the Christmas Star Wars stuff. So it's going to be very intriguing going forward with all of this new crazy stuff, and it's going to be a whole new chance for a whole new generation to really get involved. And that to me is exciting because uh, there's a lot of the kids out there that are really into, particularly the shows, the Rebel show or the Clone Wars show, and now they're going to have a chance to really see those on the big screen, and I'm sure they've all seen all of the DVDs and Blu-rays and countless to toys and everything else for all of this stuff, but it's really, um, you know, these are like benchmark films, and it's not, it's not great art. I'm the first one to tell you, you know. I'm as much of a film snob as everybody else that went to film school. I like foreign films with subtitles and black and white films and all kinds of, you know, really boring stuff to the general public. I can also appreciate big blockbusters if they're done well, if they're entertaining. And particularly stuff like this where it's, it's important in a different way. It's not perhaps artistically important but there is a cultural importance to this franchise and there was so much damage done to see it back is really um, it's just really nice because it wasn't fun to have Star Wars kind of shit on for you know the past 15 years or whatever it's been so it, it's nice to have it back to be excited. Um, the trailer, um, I saw it a few times. The night that it came out, I watched it, and we had it on um, uh, on the DVR. We rewound it and watched it again. The next day, I watched it a handful of times uh, on YouTube, and I, I did get emotional at times with you know the sweeping music. The music is very iconic. And there were definitely moments where it, you know, it hit something. And that, that's what's special is that, you know, Star Wars can still hit something and to start me to get teary-eyed. So that is, uh, that's what was missing with the prequels. There was nothing but kind of, oh, well, it's goofy and these characters are, you know, they sound kind of, like racist caricatures and 
none of this makes any sense. You have, you know, virgin birth bullshit stuff. And, you know, you've got Jedis who don't disappear when they die and crazy explanations that, you know, really didn't make any sense. Just so much, you know, George Lucas bullshit that it was just too much. And to get it out of his hands um, was the best thing. And really, you know, like I said earlier, you've got to respect George for what he did because this is his invention, even though it's a copy of, you know, Buck Rogers and Samurai films and, and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, you can go into all kinds of what did George copy from and steal from. Um, you know, the droids are basically the the two characters from Hidden Fortress from Kurosawa's film. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But still, it, it was his film. It was his vision. It was his gamble a lot of time. And he won, and he won big. And he won really big because Disney made him a friggin' billionaire. Uh, I actually saw Lucas on the list of Forbes, it was the 500 richest people in America, something like that. And he was like in the top 10. He had a net worth of 4 or $5 billion, which... I can only imagine, you know, at least half of that is from this Disney sale. Um, so that was, uh, you know, sign me up for that deal. That's definitely something I would like to be a part of. And, you know, that's all because of Star Wars. As much as you can talk about, you know, uh, the Indiana Jones stuff, he wouldn't have had that chance without Star Wars. You know, nobody's giving him money. Nobody's giving him billions of dollars because of... American Graffiti and THX 1138. That's just not happening. It's because of Star Wars. And now we get to see, you know, what's new and what's coming up, and it's two months away. And I'm sure in a couple months we'll talk about it again. And we'll have to see, you know, how does the hype, uh, how does it stand up? Because that is going to be something, you know, they're doing a great job of trying not to hype it, showing you just a little bit, just enough to wet your whistles. Uh, but the hype is going to be there. It's going to be huge. And how do they handle the leaks that are going to be coming out? Because there will be leaks coming out very soon. You know, now it's it's not just at ILM. It's not a handful of people at Skywalker Ranch or at Disney. Now it's getting into multiple people's hands. And that's where everybody signs confidentiality stuff. And, you know, this is going to happen if this happens. But things happen and leaks will occur and it'll be interesting to see you know how they handle that uh and like i said i'm not going to be privy to the leaks um what i've told you is stuff that i had heard um from you know months back about the plot um just that you know very easy um very basic plot points that could be completely wrong. I have no idea. But, you know, we'll see. And I think a lot of it, too, you know, you have to think um, the whole, you know, so-and-so is so-and-so's daughter or so-and-so's brother. You know, there's rumors about the Kylo Ren, the, the main baddie guy, that he's uh, Luke's son, that he's Han's son, um, which could be. But at the same time, this is already a franchise that its biggest shock was that the biggest bad guy was the father of the biggest good guy. And they already did that. 
So why would they go back to that plot device? You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, the only way it would make sense is that this, you know, the whole arc between the nine films is supposedly the um, story of the Skywalkers, that they're the one, you know, predominant theme, which, you know, may or may not be true in this series. We don't know. Just because they're, you know, they're present, you know, we have no idea. The um, next film has actually started shooting already. Episode 8 has started shooting. It started about a month, two months ago, something like that. And I was shocked to hear that um, uh, they're shooting in the UK and that Mark Hamill had been spotted in the UK. So perhaps Luke Skywalker is still present in these films in some way after this one, which I had kind of heard again, months and months and months ago that, you know, the three Luke, Leia, Han were only going to be in this first one and then it would all be these, you know, this new cast. Um, so who knows what's really going to happen. It's, um, that's what was reported that he was, you know, seen, I think he was seen in Ireland at a bar or something like that. So that's where they're shooting right now. And then, like I said, all kinds of new fun Star Wars stuff for years and years just so you can get annoyed and tired of it just like all the freaking Marvel films that just never seem to end uh, and one day I will have a an episode about all the Marvel stuff um, really good films but re- I'm really sick and tired of them to be honest so that's going to be it for today so thanks for tuning in Next week is Halloween, so we're going to do a little Halloween special. Uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of scary movies. We're going to focus on the best stuff that has recently come out because I think there has been a lot of good scary movies that have come out in the past couple of years. Uh, I'm a big genre fan. I think there's nothing harder to do than uh, comedy or horror because there's nothing worse than a mediocre comedy or a mediocre horror film. You know, you can have a so-so drama, you can have a so-so thriller, and it can still have some kind of redeeming qualities. But if you're not making people laugh, or if you're not making people scared, you know, if it's just eh, then it's not worth it. And I think there's been a lot of actually really good, um, particularly like throwback style scary stuff the past couple years. And, you know, we'll go over some of the uh, broader um, favorites for this type of year. Uh, scary movies that everyone should see all the classics and maybe there's some uh, some stuff that I can throw out there that you haven't heard of and that you can check out and it'll scare the shit out of you and that would be fantastic so we're going to end each episode I think with kind of a um, a pick of the week or something like that some kind of focus film that I'll throw out something that maybe um, is a little out of the ordinary that I think is worth checking out and I'm going to try to do it like a Netflix thing because I know Netflix is huge. A lot of people have Netflix. It seems like everybody has Netflix. Um, so my pick for this week is a Hungarian film called White God. And this was a film that I saw last year at the Cleveland International Film Festival. Uh, it did pretty well on the festival rounds from what I had heard. And it's now available on Netflix. It's in Hungarian with subtitles. So if you don't like reading... Just suck it up and read it. It's a really good movie. Um, it's about a uh, 
girl from a divorced family and she is living with her father and she has her dog and the dog is a mutt and apparently there's laws in Budapest that if you have a mutt that that needs to be registered with the police and all this crazy stuff um, because they're mongrels (laughs) I guess so the dog, uh, the, you know, doesn't get along with the father, and of course the father kicks the dog out. The dog goes in the street. The dog goes to uh, this series of just horrific, um, horrific events, and eventually the dog, you know, gets his revenge and takes a lot of dogs with him. Uh, it's a film that's has it's a revenge film basically. Um, with a little bit of a spin, it's sort of an artsy revenge film, and there are a cast of hundreds of dogs. That there are some shots in this film that are amazing, very impressive stuff, and no CGI from what they have been, you know, proclaiming. And they also proclaim that no dogs were hurt or harmed while filming, and that they were all. Um, not strays, but they were all, um, you know, abandoned dogs, you know, uh, recouped dogs, you know, stuff like that. So that's interesting. You know, I had heard that maybe that wasn't exactly true, that maybe there was some shenanigans going on, which would be terrible if that's true, because it would really kind of go against the whole feeling of the film. Um, but it's a really, really well done work. There are a few scenes that are not easy to watch, especially if you're an animal lover or a dog lover. Um, but really push through that because the dogs end up getting their revenge. They get their day, so don't worry. Uh, White God, uh, the title is a play on words from the uh, Fuller film White Dog. For if anybody's seen that back in the, I think it was back in the 80s. Um, so check it out on Netflix. Thank you for listening. You can contact me if you like on Twitter. I am at CopiedLine. It's at C-O-P-I-E-D-L-I-N-E. And if you liked what you heard, you know, tell your friends, tell your family. Retweet it if you found this on Twitter. I will see everybody again next week. Thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you later. Bye.